and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 13, surprise! 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 (laughs) Speaking of surprises. (laughs) Once again, we are joined by Jackie. Yay! Uh, Whose mother apparently tried to set herself on fire this week. Yes. Uh, oh gosh, she's not allowed to light birthday cakes anymore. Oh gosh, so she can't drive and she can't light birthday candles. Yeah, she struck a match, and you know how you go. Oh uh, yeah, I, I know this is an audio medium, but she was running it down her like you know, <laughs> arm, and it, her sleeve caught on fire. Oh no! Oh no! I just I loved your sister's video of that. Oh gosh, yeah. She's okay. It was like, she, we put it out quickly, but it was quickly. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, that was, you know what? Last week was a week for everybody. It really was. I'm just sad uh, I wasn't there to see like your father's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> he mostly just shook his head because he was like, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's my wife. Yeah. I was oh. like, par for the course. Oh, gosh. That's, you know, you've been with somebody long enough when that's, I mean, that's because that's like me and Mr. Froggy. Like, we've, we've been together for 20 years. So, like, things happen. It's just like, huh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right. So surprise, it aired on January 19th, 1998, which is actually Buffy's birth date. Oh, happy birthday, Buffy. Yes. I mean, we we know what's going to happen here. (laughs) And we have officially reached the last episode that aired on a Monday. I was so excited when I read that. I was so excited because I was like, now we're in the Tuesday zone. I know. I know. Like, because we kept going like, really it was on a monday for this long i know know because like our whole cultural collectiveness remembers it being on a tuesday probably because it switched to tuesday during this event yes like surprise and innocence were shown on two consecutive nights yes and innocence started the new wb tuesday yes so yeah because i i they probably have and we may want to like do a search for this like they may have videos somewhere online about how you know the new wb tuesday oh i'm pretty sure i've stumbled across those ads on youtube so we'll have to find some Yeah, because those the WB ads are always so fantastic. (laughs) And I know all the ads for this were like the big like two night event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A special two night event. Special two night event. Oh, my God. These are these are some of my favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because because now now everything is everything has been leading up to this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. All right. Our synopsis is part one of two. Drew wraps up a plan to erase the human race while a nightmare haunts Buffy on her birthday. Bum, bum, bum. So do we have any good international titles this week? We we actually do have a few. So Yay. most of them do just translate to surprise. In French, we they call it Innocence Part One. German is The Curse of the Gypsies. Which I feel like that would be better for part two because that's when you really find everything out. But anyway, and then Japanese has birthday gifts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really terrible birthday! I gift. know that's the worst birthday present ever. I mean, you know, she has sex for the first time, so she thought it was going to be amazing, and then that happens. Oh, and we're gonna get into that a lot in 
part two. Yes. Because yeah. part two um, was, this part was written by Marty Noxon. Part two was written, or Innocence, I guess they're not part one and part two. Yeah. Innocence was written and directed by the creator and he has commentary on it where he does talk about the whole like balancing the teenage sexuality and how he didn't want to get too moral about it, but there yeah. are parts. So we're going to talk a lot about that in part two. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, when we get to part two, I do, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the tweet I made about... <laughs> Buffy having sex for the first time. <laughs> All right. I do want to say that I'm glad I'm here to counteract the Giles thirst because these are, an- this is an angel thirst episode. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so as a person who had a lot of angel thirst at the time, the inexplicably shirtless angel in this episode was like very excited about this it. Is- but you guys, um, I have to say, so my husband and I were watching Ted Lasso and uh, yeah. Anthony Stewart Head is on Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yes, he is. My yes. husband's never seen Buffy. And he was like, he was like, what a handsome and dapper man this is. Who is this actor? And I was like, that's Giles. He's a dad. Stop it. <laughs> yes, See, Giles- Aldo knows what's up. Giles, who we work out our daddy issues with. I was like, yeah. I'm just surrounded by Giles <laughs> everywhere. Aldo has very good taste. Yes, he does. <laughs> so we get neither previously on nor a Slayer spiel. <sighs> Instead, we're treated to a cold open, which begins with Buffy in bed, tossing and turning before waking, taking a sip of water and exiting her room. Drusilla looming ominously behind her, a bit of blood in the corner of her mouth. She opens the door to what reasonably would be her bathroom, yet enters the bronze. Cool. All around her, people dance, and Willow sits at a table conversing in French with a monkey. <laughs> oh, I found out what that translates to. It's the hippo stole your pants. Yes. Well, because the hippo has hippo dignity. Yeah. Yes, yes. The hippo stole his pants. She waves hello and Buffy continues on running into her mother, who asks her if she's really ready before dropping the saucer she was holding, the whole thing shattering. Moving to the stage, Buffy turns only to see Angel. The two walk towards one another and have just about reached one another when Drusilla appears, now in vamp face. She stakes Angel, and as Buffy calls his name, the two reach for each other, but it's too late. Angel disintegrates, and Drusilla wishes Buffy a happy birthday. Which leads us to Buffy waking for real, everything previous having been a dream. Bam! Credits. Let's get into it. We return from the credits to Angel's apartment where a concerned Buffy is banging on the door. He answers, shirtless, because why not? <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah. I love that they're, they're you know, helping the fans out here. I love inexplicably shirtless <laughs> Angel. Just anybody in this show when they're inexplicably shirtless. Like, you gotta get, like, going back to Nightmares where Xander was going to class naked. Like, you gotta give... You know, you gotta- I appreciate that because... Uh, a lot of times it's unbalanced in the other way where women yes. are like wearing skimpy costumes or we see their boobs or whatever. Yes. That doesn't really happen in Buffy. They're like, we know that women want to see these people shirtless, yes. so we're like, going to give it to them. This is one of those shows where they know their target oh, yes. audience. It's 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 teen. It was teenage girls, so teenage girls want to see the handsome 
lead men without shirts on. So it's, this was definitely for the female gaze, which we can appreciate that. And then those teenage girls grow up and want to see the hot librarian shirtless. I wanted to see the hot librarian shirtless when I was a teenage girl. I don't want to see Giles without a shirt on. My friend and I, my friend who also watched the show, half the t- that's what we talked about Giles. I was a teenage girl that, like, again, it's all the daddy issues and everything. But yes, mm-hmm. I had a crush on on Giles even as a teenager. Jackie, you're learning so much about me. You're getting I like a... I just imagine Giles wearing like a onesie under everything. And, that's how he <laughs> and it has to be, it has to be tweed. Yes. Tweed he wears onesie. his tweed long john. Yes. yes. <laughs> he asks if everything's okay. That's actually what she came to ask him. He's okay. Yeah. Why? She tells him about her dream and how Drusilla killed him in it right in front of her. He assures her that everything is all right, that it was only a dream and that he's right there. But her dreams have come true before, like with the master. But not every dream comes true. What else did she dream last night? That she and Giles opened an office supply warehouse in Las Vegas? (laughs) See? Okay, not gonna lie, I want to see that dream. I know, I know. Because in my head, it is now just basically a Buffy verse version of The Office. Yes. yes. Oh, with with Giles as Michael Scott. Yes. I'm now going to like have to think about this fully cast it. I'll throw up something on the Facebook group. But yeah. now I'm just like, it's The Office with Buffy characters. This would be fantastic. That's one of my favorite lines because it, it just, it also points to how weird people's dreams are generally. It's like sometimes you have dreams that mean something to you or make sense. And then yeah. sometimes you have dreams that are like, what the hell was that? Exactly, exactly. Buffy's still worried though. Drusilla could be alive. They never saw her body. Um, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Yes. Because they wouldn't have seen her body anyway. anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> Angel is like 90% certain she's dead. Spoiler alert. She's not. No. And then no. even if she did survive, that they'll handle it. They won't. No. The two begin kissing, and I'm not sure whether this is actually the first time we hear the Buffy Angel love theme, but it's definitely the first time I was, like, acutely aware of it. Yeah, they, they kind of smack you in the face with it. Buffy says she needs to get to school, and they basically kiss all the way to the door, continually <laughs> delaying her departure. Yeah. Somewhere in there, Angel reminds Buffy that she hasn't yet told him what she wants for her birthday. Her response? Surprise her. <laughs> yeah, I think no. she's going to regret that sentiment later. Yeah, yeah, nope, nope. As she begins to leave, for real, she says this is nice, seeing him in the morning. He reminds her that it's bedtime for him. Oh, right. Well, then she likes seeing him at bedtime. (laughs) She means, uh, just, yeah, yeah, it's nice. At school, Willow and Buffy cut across the lawn talking. You like him at bedtime? You actually (laughs) said that. Buffy knows it's horrible. Actually, Willow thinks it's moxie or something akin to moxie. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was totally unplanned. It just slipped out. But seeing her at bedtime, that's something Angel wants too. Like, he's into it? Buffy says he seems to be, yeah, that he was cool with it. Well, of course, because Angel is cool. He'd never, you know push and now we are clearly talking about more than just seeing one another at bedtime mm-hmm. Buffy laments that she doesn't know what to do and Willow asks her what she wants to do she doesn't know wanting is one thing but acting on that want it could be wrong but if she doesn't act on it what if she never feels this way again oh Buffy honey such a teenage girl moment it is but I, I do like that they have this conversation yeah 
Yeah. Because so many times on like teen dramas, like whoever it is just falls into bed. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, do yeah. like that like Buffy is acknowledging in this conversation with Willow that this is a big step, both in the relationship and for her personally. Yes. So I do like that. Yes. No, it's it's always nice to. And, and it's also great that forgetting about the fact that he's a vampire and if he loses his soul, he'll go off evil. Like the fact that he is respectful of that of of her and that there are there is that boundary between them is also something that you don't see a lot on teen dramas because a lot of it's like oh hot and heavy and everybody is just ready to do it but no this was a great way of setting everything up and i think we see that parallel in the second part later on with oz and willow it's yes that it's it's really a nice difference because because I also think it's more realistic. It's like yes. these shows, these shows always have it's like sexy teenagers, sexy hooking up. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, being a teenager is like awkward and you're navigating stuff. Yeah. And- yeah. And even even with like I love with with Cordelia and Xander, like all the awkward making out that they do and just the moments of you want to go to the closet? Yeah, sure. Okay. Like I like the way that they do the teen romances on this show. I know. No, it's like it's a really for being written by like forty year olds. It's a yeah. very good in the nineties realistic portrayal <laughs> in the nineties too. Because the nineties had a lot. There was there was a lot with the teenage dramas. In but the I 90s. also think I also think maybe you know maybe this group of writers was looking at the parallel at the time being nine hundred two one zero, where it's like it seemed like hot teenagers banging and doing yeah, hot yeah. teenager stuff. And it's like, okay, well, what if, like, what if we have the, what are the nerd kids doing? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much it. Yeah. Like, but then even so, like a lot of, even, even with nerd kids, like a lot of shows were trying to show like the nerd kids were like trying to be hot and bang. Like, but instead of just being teenagers, like the focus on the show more is trying to be a teenager. Like, again, like they try to do real world tropes, but with, you know, crazy supernatural stuff. So like these kids are just trying to be kids and deal with shit and occasionally have hormones. (laughs) It happens. It does. Carpe diem. Willow reminds Buffy that she told her that once. Fish of the day? No, (laughs) not carp. Carpe. I also like how Buffy, you know, I assume it's because we always say Buffy's a bad student or whatever. And um, I like how because she's been studying all this occult stuff, she kind of knows Latin. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. It means seize the day. Buffy thinks that they're going to do it. Seize it. Because after a certain point, seizing is just inevitable, right? (laughs) It makes sense. Willow just responds with an odd Wow. And Buffy <laughs> smiles. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's so cute. Getting up off the wall they had sat on, they continue along. Willow's still saying, wow. <laughs> I also like this too, because I feel like this is a real moment between teenage friends. Like a, it's, yes. it's more real than, again, I'm using 90210 as a parallel, where it seemed like those kids were always so confident in everything they did. Yeah. And as a yeah. teenager, you don't feel confident at all. So having this like, oh, we're, we're really giving this big decisions, the reverence that it deserves and the, and the awkwardness that would surround yeah. it and the, oh my gosh, you're going to do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, and, and again, like when we get to the second part with, with 
Willow and and Oz, like it is a very realistic portrayal of everything. And and like you said, like all the, the kids in like 90210 are so confident about everything. And they, they always seem to know what to say and how to say it and how to get their feelings across. But I love this whole scene where like Willow just saying, wow. All over and over it just it feels more real it does buffy points out that oz has a bit of wow potential any sparks <laughs> willow is nothing but smiles as she says he's nice oh. and she likes his hands fixation on an insignificant detail oh they are definitely in crush territory yeah but he's a senior so does buffy need to remind her that her boyfriend had a bicentennial <laughs> that's true but what about she needs to stop Stop waiting for Xander to wake up and smell the hottie. Yes. She should go. Do the talking thing. Willow is afraid the talking thing will turn into the awkward silence thing, telling her that she won't know until she tries. Buffy walks off. Willow then approaches Oz, who is fiddling with his guitar. Willow asks if they have a gig that night, and he tells her it's just practice. As the band has this whole thing right now where they kind (laughs) of suck. So, you know, practice. Willow thinks they sound pretty good. They must have a lot of groupies. It happens. But Oz is living groupie free these days. He's clean. That leads to the bit of the awkward silence Willow feared. But Oz saves it by telling her that he's going to ask her to go out with him tomorrow night. And he's kind of nervous about it. It's weird. Well, if it makes him feel any better, she's planning on saying yes. It does, actually. It creates a a sense of comfort. He asks her out and Willow says, no, she can't. (laughs) Okay. Well, he likes that she's unpredictable. (laughs) No, no, it's it's Buffy's, it's just that tomorrow's Buffy's birthday, and they're throwing her a surprise party. It's okay, he could come. Well, he wouldn't want to crash. No, like, he could be her date. Okay. Walking away, Willow smiles to herself, giddy. She said date. Oh, they are so, they are the cutest. Willow has the best, longest, like, the best, most, like, steady, longest-lasting relationships on this show, first with Oz and then with Tara, because everybody else is kind of a mess. So the funny thing is, I read something that said Willow and Oz actually have the longest relationship (laughs) on the show, Mm -hmm. because it starts here and it goes to Wild at Heart. Yes, And so at first I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But actually, wouldn't Xander and Anya be the longest relationship on the show? Because they start in season three. They go to prom together and they're together till season six. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Are they completely together? Well, I mean, Xander leaves for a while because he does that like traveling thing. Yeah. And then comes back in season four. So like maybe it does take them a while to officially get together. Yeah. So like season four. Yeah. So like so Willow and Oz are even even in that point where they were cut like where they were on unsteady ground after like she and and Xander were making out. They were still together. They were still together and they were working through everything. So yeah, no, I think and they and the thing about the two of them is it's such a healthy relationship. It mm. is. It, it is. It's such a like he is such a good guy. You know, he and he knows how to counteract her awkwardness. He does. And he really brings out so many good things with her, which like it's one of those relationships where that's your first relationship and it helps you in your later relationship. So he gave her like he helped her, you know, he helped her give her give herself confidence and like he just he builds her up. And so, like, it kind of works with where she ends up later on and helps her out when she is with Tara. It's it's just such a good relationship. 
you know, I could go, I could write a thesis on, on Willow and Oz. Willow and Oz. <laughs> yeah. But I also think Willow tends to, to pick, tends to be good about picking people. Too, yeah. Yeah. Know? I mean, that's what, like, I, I never, I never dated in high school. Like literally my husband was my first serious relationship. So like, I, I like really was careful with who I, who I was picking just because that goes back to f- my own childhood issues <laughs> well, that's that's a different that's a therapy podcast there oh so apparently when buffy enters the school you can see uncle enyos or at least the script said you're supposed to be able to see him <laughs> i didn't notice him i'm gonna have to go back and check screen yeah caps. yeah i'm gonna have to, to take a look at that But this brings us to Xander and Cordelia. Cordelia closing her locker while Xander stands behind it. He reminds her of Buffy's party and she says she knows. And she has to do all this cooking. Cooking? Yeah, she's the chips and dip girl. (laughs) The horror. All that opening and stirring. (laughs) Also shopping and caring. Clearly she needs someone who can do all that for her. She's been telling her father that for years. But does he listen? Xander says the party. She's going... He's going, should they just, you know, go together? Why? Well, because against their better judgment, the thing between them keeps happening. Maybe it's time to just admit they're dating. Cordelia tells them that groping in a bloom closet is not dating. (laughs) That you can't call it dating until the guy spends money. Fine, he'll spend. Then they'll grope. He just thinks it's kind of dumb that they keep hiding this from their friends. Of course he does, because he has nothing to be ashamed of. She, on the other hand, has everything to be ashamed of. Oh, Cordy. You know what? Never mind. He gets it. That was just his personality flaw talking. He calls him idiot Jed, glutton for punishment. He walks away and runs into Giles, who is just very excited about the (laughs) surprise party. It's all kinds of adorable. He's like, is everything ready? Oh, I like the line where Xander says, it looks like Mr. Caution Man, but the sound he makes is funny. Yeah. That party is so good. Also, how did they rent out the bronze for what is going on with the bronze? How can you rent it out for a birthday? It is the small child nightclub. That's how. Look, look, (laughs) they they are trying to make their money any way they can. We have school dances there. We have look, you've you've listened to us. (laughs) How much does Giles have enough money to rent the bronze? Giles, I think Giles, I think, has a lot more money than we know. Yes. Because Giles, I think, has family money. Yeah. And then at this point, he's getting paid by the council because later in like season five or no season six, he gives Buffy that huge check. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have old family money. I like so he I, has rent the bronze out money and the rest of them are just like, don't ask questions. You're assuming that it costs a lot to rent out the bronze. Yeah, they rent out the bronze for school events. I don't think Snyder is paying that much. Yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 assuming that like it's gonna be some sort of like LA nightclub kind of deal. Like this is the bronze in Sunnydale. It's probably like give us a dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like give us like a security deposit or your or like you have to do something like through your insurance or something. Like it's <laughs> Yeah. Sanders says absolutely and asks Giles if he's ready to get down, calling him a funky party weasel. <laughs> Seeing Buffy coming down the steps along with Jenny, Giles says to remember that discretion is the better part of valor. Yeah, or he could have just said, shh. shh. (laughs) Are all Brits such drama queens? Yes. As Jenny and Buffy approach, Xander tells Buffy that he feels a pre-birthday spanking coming on. 
Jenny tells him that she'd curb that impulse if she were him. And he says, check, cancel spanking. Okay, so y'all know me. I had to look up where this whole weird birthday spanking thing comes from. (laughs) And after a bit of Googling, I'm still not sure. (laughs) All we really know is that it is a tradition based on superstition and that it was considered bad luck to let a birthday pass without a child getting spanked (laughs) as it softened the body up for the tomb. Oh, Christ. It's a little morbid, (laughs) but I don't know what I was expecting. The only thing that I was thinking was, you know, in old days, they say, they said when the baby was born, they spanked them to make sure they're crying and they're alive and that sort of thing. So I just, I just kind of like likened it to that. Yeah. They sit at one of the tables in the student lounge and Giles notices that Buffy is looking a little fatigued. She tells him of the dreams and her fear that Drusilla may still be alive. Giles understands. She worries that her dreams could be portents. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. She doesn't want to start a big freak out over nothing. Only it's Angel, and so that automatically equals Wake. Giles says if Drusilla really has returned, then the fallout could be cataclysmic. Again, Xander wonders why so many words. <laughs> Couldn't he just say they'd be in trouble? <laughs> Giles tells Xander to go to class, and he says, gone, before pointing out his use of economy phrasing. Short and to the point. <laughs> Buffy says that she should get gone too, and Giles tells her not to worry. He's sure everything will be fine. So, there is a conversation that originally went here that I am big mad they yeah. cut out. Yeah, no, it's a good... As Buffy leaves, Jenny asks Giles if he thinks Buffy is really having premonitions. And he says something like, it makes sense There's a lot that a lot of Slayers have prophetic dreams and visions as they reach adulthood. Mm-hmm. Adulthood, Jenny's floored. Buffy is just 17 tomorrow. Giles shouldn't rush her. And what does he respond? That he's not, but as much as he loathes to admit it, a Slayer rarely lives into her mid-20s. Yep. Oh. And that because of this, she may exhibit signs of maturity early on because her whole cycle is accelerated. They finally acknowledge yep. the Slayer's lifespan yes. and it got freaking cut. Well, this is, and this, this whole scene, like, cause I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it right now. And this whole scene is so fantastic. Cause he, like, he even like the, the whole thing is cause um he says, he says like, I, sh- I sh- suppose I try not to pry. And she's like, maybe you should just a little. Uh, maybe you should you just know a little. Why it was cut? Like, was it cut for time? time? Length, yeah. yeah. And like, because he and he's like basically telling her, like, telling him to give her the 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 speech. And See, I didn't like the second part of that as much because I felt that should have come after the conversation in the classroom. Yeah, but like, I did it's, like that they finally acknowledged. They, yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're. I mean. Not that they knew what they were going to exactly write in the next seasons, but like when it comes to the point where she has to do the trial, it all makes more sense then. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff like they knew at this point because the watcher's guide I'm using right now ends at season two. And like the creator was actually asked, like, are you priming Willow to be a watcher? And he's like, oh, no, I've got other plans for Willow. Yeah. So like they they knew Willow was going to go the witch route early on. Yeah. Yeah. I still would have loved Witchy Watcher Willow. Witchy Watcher Willow. Witchy Watcher Willow. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Could put that on a business card. That would be so cute for her. <laughs> the next thing we see is Dalton. Yay, Dalton. Mm. 
entering the warehouse with a box in his hands. He's directed by Spike, who is still off screen at this moment, to put it on the table along with the rest of the gifts. We then see Spike roll into frame as he is wheelchair bound and badly burned with Drusilla behind him. He asks if she wouldn't rather have her party somewhere else, like Vienna, but she reminds him that the invitations have already been sent. (laughs) He still worries, though. Nothing in Sunnydale has worked out the way it was supposed to. And Spike just, he's very much emo poet Spike in this scene. (laughs) I mean, with good reason, but still. Drusilla says her parties always work out. Doesn't he remember Spain? He does. Still, Sunnydale is cursed for them. Between the Slayer and Angel, Drusilla hushes him gently before licking the scarred side of his face. (laughs) Spike's duster costs more than Angel's. Spike's duster cost $1,600. Wow. And then they took it and like ran over it with trucks to make it like (laughs) distressed. I, I mean, I've known that story for a while, but it was also linked to this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just love that. They took these very expensive coats, like threw them on the ground and ran over them with cars to like make them look properly distressed. That's Hollywood for you. That's one of my favorite things. Of, like, I love little facts like that about things that happened in the like the costuming department, especially. Like, I still love the fact that the fur cloaks in Game of Thrones were rugs from Ikea. They're Ikea rugs! (laughs) That's... And then for the longest time, you couldn't find them at Ikea because everyone was buying them for their Game of Thrones cosplay. That's amazing. That is amazing. They're they're inexpensive. I'm sitting on an Ikea rug right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jackie, you're ready to go into Westeros. Yes, winter is coming, Jackie. Winter is coming. I have it on my chair because it's a little hard. So I bought it as like a cushion. (laughs) But I guess I could be Jon Snow as well. There you go. Yes. I also love that like while all this is going on, there's just vampire minions decorating. Yeah. I love. And you know what? I like I love Dalton so much. I also love that in Sunnydale, there's just like an empty warehouse that people aren't like, hey, what are these squatters doing living in this warehouse? Nobody notices anything in this town cares yes no. no no never mind all that it's it's there's a lot that goes on this in this town that people just conveniently ignore and i think like other like they do acknowledge how weird things happen but they just they're like you know what i'm not gonna worry about that right now nope nope i i see nothing i hear nothing let those squatters have their abandoned warehouse let them have their warehouse party yes yes you know what like the bronze has already been rented out, so apparently these people are using the old warehouse for their party. I guess that's, I mean, we have to all chalk this up to the mayor, I suppose, because yes. It's, yes. the mayor yeah. is willing oh, yeah, to look yeah. the other way, and people are calling and complaining, and they're like, there's music coming from the warehouse down the street, and he's like, no, no, that's just a warehouse party. <laughs> yeah, no, like. That that's that's one thing that going into the next season when you really find out about the mayor, like I love talking about how all the stuff happens and the mayor just being like, no, 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 it's fine. Everything's okay. How you doing? I mean, you have to have that. You have to have the mayor be like that. Otherwise, it it's, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's like Oz says later on, that explains a lot. You yeah, know? yeah. And even like, and, and Jonathan, you know, brings up at, at the prom, like how all of weird things happen. But because Buffy's there, it's not as bad as it used to be. Right. We have the highest graduation. We have the lowest mortality rate. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of any oh, graduating class. Good team. Go team Buffy. Drew leaves Spike's side and drifts over to the table fixating on said flowers, which aren't just roses, but also pink carnations. She says they're all wrong, that she can't abide them. And so she begins tearing them from the chair. Spike says maybe they can try something different with the flowers. That gets her to stop and she asks if she can open one of her presents. Can she? Can she? He tells her just one. The rest are for the party. She does. And we never actually see what's inside, though now we know it's a piece of the judge. Yes. Spike asks if she likes it and she says it reeks of death. This party is going to be the best party ever because it's going to be the last. (laughs) I have a question for you guys. It's not clear to me in this episode whether this party is supposed to mean that Drusilla's birthday is the same as Buffy's birthday or it's just, oh, Drusilla is like, renewed and this is a party for that so there's a lot of debate about this because a lot of people are like Drusilla and Buffy have the same birthday I think it is the coming out party that Spike promised her and what's my line yeah yeah because because they yeah because because Spike had promised her a big party when she's healed so that's what this is and it just coincides with With Buffy's Buffy's birthday birthday. which is which is a great you know it's it, it makes for a great moment where Buffy's having her party and there's this party going on and Buffy gets the best birthday present later. (laughs) Oh, yes. She closes the box and we go to the Summer's house the next morning where it is officially Buffy's birthday. Joyce tells her not to forget the mall trip for her birthday on Saturday and Buffy says there is no way she would ever space on a mom-sponsored mall trip. (laughs) Joyce then asks her if 17 feels any different than 16. Why, yes. Now that she asked, it does. She woke up feeling much more mature and level-headed. Things one might look for in a licensed driver. (laughs) Joyce did say they could talk about it again when she was 17. Joyce looks at her and just like in Buffy's dream, she asks if she really thinks she's ready before dropping the plate she's holding. The whole thing shattering. At the school, Jenny is in her classroom preparing. The camera watches her from a distance in that way that makes it clear she's being watched. Mm -hmm. We approach along with who... Everett has been watching her until eventually the camera pulls back to reveal a man in the dark coat. The first time I saw this episode, I swore this was Donald Sutherland. Uh, yeah, he does look yeah, like him. Yeah. yeah, He has the exact same look as movie Merrick, and I am 99.9% certain that's on purpose. Yeah, no, he really does look like... He really does look like Merrick. Said man, who we will learn is Jenny's Uncle Enyos, says her name and she turns declaring that he scared her. Interesting thing is his accent is described in the script as being distinctly Yugoslavian. <laughs> so Jenny's family and the, the the clan of Romani, that cursed angel, hails from Yugoslavia. He tells her that she looks well and she says she is well and that she's sorry she hasn't written as much. She's been busy. Busy? He can't imagine what could have been so important that it kept her from her duty to her people. She tries to explain that she's been working and, you know, having a life. (laughs) But Uncle Enyos interrupts. The elder woman has seen the sign. Something has changed. Jenny tells him that nothing has changed, that the curse still holds. Enyos tells her that the elder woman is never wrong. His pain is lessening. She can feel it. Jenny admits there's a girl. Enyos wants to know how she let this happen. The look on Jenny's face there is great. The whole like, excuse me, let this happen? Yeah, yeah, I didn't do anything. (laughs) She reiterates that nothing has changed. Angel still suffers. 
And he now works to make amends. He even saved her life once. It's not enough. Has she forgotten how he killed the most beloved daughter of their tribe? How he slaughtered every man, woman, and child that touched her life? His pain must be eternal as theirs is. If this girl is to give him even one moment of happiness, it will be one moment too long. Jenny says she's sorry. She just thought, thought what? That she's Jenny Calendar now? She is still Yana of the Calderash people. She tells him that she knows. He tells her to prove it. Tells her that the time for watching has passed. Whatever is going on between Angel and the girl, it ends now. She must do whatever it takes to take her from him. She tells him that it will be done. Okay, we need to talk about this. Calm down, Enyos. I know it will come up again in Becoming, because in Becoming, we'll we'll see what happened. But like, who the fuck is this chick that she is so damn special? I know. Like, she was so important that... that you know, a gen- like generations later. But it's not even that. Like, yes. Okay, I understand Angel killed a member of their tribe and that was a bad thing and like they wanted but him to suffer. it was the most beloved. The most beloved ever. Tribe. But in a most things that I understand we're dealing with a show that doesn't play out tropes correctly, Angel saving Jenny's life would have meant something. Right, right. And like it would have show like it would have been a thing where you would have like gone back to your people and been like no he changed like he saved me multiple times yeah but they're just like fuck you but this is what she's saying to him she yeah this is why i think i think um you know obviously like we you guys always say because plot i think this this is going to mirror because he the team the writing team has already pre-planned what's happening in passion yeah so her her staunchness about saying, Angel saved me. He's a good guy. Like, you know, I, I, I'm firmly of the belief that he's a good guy and he's changed. Um, her defending him like this will mirror her death and passion. Yes. Yeah, no, and I like, I like the way that they set that up. And I like that she is so on his side here. And the thing is, it's like, because they are obviously still so entrenched in the past. And she, as we've been seeing, is trying to bring everything into the future. She's embracing the present. So she's trying to evolve her people, you know, into the present. You can still keep your traditions, but you don't have to be so firm in this. And she's trying, like, she's she's saying, like, Angel is good. Now, granted, they don't know what the quote unquote one moment of happiness really is. Yeah, I do also think I I just want to say I do also think that it's like we have we have in Buffy and Angel this um, Romeo and Juliet kind of opposites trope. And then um, when you think about the the uh, play Romeo and Juliet, they don't know, like no one knows why the Montagues and the Capulets were in a fight. Yeah, that's so true. it's like it, yeah. it, it also plays into this thing of okay, well, he's saying you know we have this grudge and it has like we we keep our vengeance over the years. It's that same kind of Shakespearean trope, right? Like we're yeah. still in this fight and we have almost no clue why we're still in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, that all makes perfect sense. The thing I was trying to figure out is like story wise, like I said, normally like Angel saving her would mean something, mm-hmm. and you would show these yes, people he can change. Yes. Why are her people like, your life doesn't matter? It's fine. 
You're not the, the most special beloved. girl from like a hundred years ago. <laughs> Who cares if he saved you? Aww, Jenny, you're the most special girl to us. Right? Yeah. That's like, I'm like, just like, why isn't Jenny like, fuck you all? I'm important yeah. too. You're our special girl, Jenny. You are. That's right. Yes. And I do want to say like, I absolutely love Vincent Schiavelli. Is that oh, who Uncle Agnes is? He, well, he was a great character. Yes. Actor. He was just... Again, such an amazing character actor. And he's, he did, he has so many credits in so many movies. And he just, his, his look, like, Ed, he just comes on screen and you know that that's who it is. And everything he did was fantastic. I also love, I also love, um, Robia Lamort in, yes. in these scenes. Yes. Scenes. Yes. Like, she, this is really, you know, when, when she is up against him and she's saying, this is insanity, you know, I, I really felt happy that she got to do because she's she's kind of been like this, um, you know, side character love interest up until this point where we're now like she's getting a bigger story and she's she's able to to, you know, stand up to her uncle. I, I, yeah. I love her in these scenes. You know, it's giving her something. Yeah, because and you're also seeing more about her and finding out where she really comes from and why she knows about all the things the she does. Yeah, yeah. So in between this scene and the next were two little mini scenes originally, one with Cordelia and Harmony and one with Willow, Xander and Odds. <laughs> in the Cordelia and Harmony one, Cordelia is trying to gauge whether Harm and the others would ever accept Xander as being cute. Well, in the other, Xander is trying to get Willow to say that, yeah, maybe having Cordy hang around wouldn't be so bad. Both of these go about as well as you would think. Yeah. Then Oz arrives and asks if he can pick Willow up for the party, leaving a slightly jealous Xander. In the library, Buffy tells Giles about the conversation with her mom and how it mirrored her dream exactly. Before Giles can offer too much insight on the situation, Xander and Willow arrive, Xander announcing it's the woman of the hour. While Willow bounds over to the blonde all, it's happy birthday, Buffy! Yay! It's not happy birthday, Buffy? (laughs) That's when Giles fills them in about part of Buffy's nightmare coming to pass. Buffy's majorly worried. In her dream, Drusilla blindsided her. Angel was gone before she even got a chance to react. Giles tells her they'll handle it, that she should meet him back there at seven. He'll research Drusilla, and the two of them will formulate a plan. What about till then? He tells her to go to class, have supper, patrol. Oh, right. Be that, Buffy. She heads out, and Xander and Willow frown. Guess the party's off. Willow even got little hats. They, too, start to leave as Willow says she'll tell Cordelia. Oh, no, she will not. Standing in the doorway to his office, Giles tells them that the party will proceed as planned. Only he will not be wearing a little hat. No. Dad is firm on having this party. Xander doesn't understand. This looks like Caution Man. (laughs) But the sound he makes is funny. (laughs) Willow asks about Buffy and Angel and Giles says, yes, they're in danger. As they have been before and will be again. If living on the Hellmouth has taught him anything, it's that there's no good time to kick back and relax. But Buffy only turned 17 once and so she is getting a party. And he is not losing out on that deposit that he put down on the bronze. Right, exactly. (laughs) He is not. Willow agrees. Besides, Angel is coming. She can protect him and have cake. We fast forward to that night. Buffy arrives at the school to find Jenny, who tells her there's been a change of plans. That Giles wants to meet somewhere near his house because he ran home to get a book. Right, because there aren't enough books in the library. (laughs) (laughs) It's a specific book. Buffy's not too bothered, though, and says something about it being manly and an obsessive compul- I don't know. It's a weird It's a weird moment. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be Buffy trying to bond with Jenny over Jenny liking Giles. 
Yeah. Either way, Jenny offers to give her a ride. They end up near the bronze, and Jenny says she's just going to whatever address Giles gave her. Buffy sees something, though, and tells her to stop. There's a few guys unloading a van. Something Buffy says is wiggy. Jenny tries to keep her from going, but Buffy says she has to. Sacred duty and all that. Yada, yada, yada. She approaches the van and sees Dalton. (laughs) Every time she sees him, he's stealing something. She suggests he talk to someone about that klepto problem. The van truck beside her turns on and another vampire steps out. This leads to an all-out fight, during the middle of which we go inside the bronze and Angel wonders where Buffy is. And Willow tells him to hush. She thinks that she hears him. Vampire senses and he couldn't tell there was a fight going on outside. Look. Angel's a charming doofus, okay? He is. He is a big, he is a big. He's a charming doofus. He's a big puppy dog. He, what he is, as we'll learn in season three. Yes, yes. He is a, he is a big puppy dog and he is not the brightest. Like he's one of those dogs that they are so lucky they're cute. Right. Because they're dumb as bricks. Right. He is a big charming <laughs> doofus. And we yes. we love him for his charming doofusness. And we'll get to we'll get to talk more about the doofiness when we get to the Angel series. I mean, even when he's bad, he's a doofus. Oh, he's it's such like a Spike is really the brains of the operation because yes. he's like Angel's just making a mess of things. Like, you know, they talk about they talk about Angelus being like this crazy, you know, vampire, but he's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, he is like we, the doofusness just goes because it re- and it reflects on who he was as Liam. Yeah, Liam was so dumb. Like it's just because you know you keep you keep a bit of like you keep your personality from who you were as a human. You're just an evil version of you. Right. So it's just Liam. And Liam was so dumb. Which is really interesting. And I guess you could say it was the guilt. Because mm-hmm. Angel is nothing like Liam. No. Like I think getting it's- his soul back didn't make him. Like Spike when he has his soul is very close to who William was. Mm-hmm. Angel well, William is nothing was smarter like William. than Angel. And that's the thing. It's like William was a, like a real oh, he poetry was, book nerd. Oh, he was and so Angel educated. Angel was like terrible drunk. And, who would and have died so, of syphilis if he right. hadn't become a vampire. Exactly. And so Angel, I think like part of the soul thing is that he really expands his universe to go out and like learn more. Yeah, because you see, like, when when they talk about that, you see, like, at first he's just a mess. And then eventually, like, he grows into who Angel becomes. And then he grows more when he gets his own show. But yeah, he's just, bless his heart. I mean, and the thing with Angel's show is, like, Angel Angel, surrounds himself on his show with smart people. Yes, he's still dumb as a brick. Right. But, you know, yeah, see, he gets... He surrounds himself with people and he surrounds himself with people who do help him grow. Speaking of said fight, it keeps going right until Buffy crashes through one of the windows of the bronze, not even (laughs) noticing the others. She grabs a drumstick and dusts the vamps as Cordelia jumps up with a surprise. I love that. I absolutely love this scene because so this is the first instance we get of Buffy's birthday and it sets up the whole reoccurring theme of Buffy's birthday always being a disaster. Yes, yes. and I, I love the juxtaposition of Buffy, you know, fighting and doing her duty. And then them they tried to do something normal, like have a surprise birthday yes. party. And it just went wrong. And this is how Oz finds out 
that, you yeah. know, vampires are real. <laughs> and I love, like, it's so Oz that he's it like, is. oh, this explains oh. a lot, you know. He just, the way that he just accepts everything, like, oh, right. okay, all right, Shit yeah. like, vampires are real, we'll fill you in. Yeah. yeah. It, no, it, it, it is a great, and it is a great way to introduce Oz into the circle of friends who know about everything and I, I do I love Cordy just jumping up with her surprise <laughs> yeah just go like just going along with it because Cordy is the one who is always still has that foot in living in a normal existence yes everyone yes. has kind of accepted that like shit is just going to be weird you know yeah. and Cordy is that person who's still trying to persevere and have like a normal life so it made sense for her to be the one that's like oh the surprise party is still happening <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And it sets it up for Oz to be kind of the the person who's like not easily ruffled by. Yes. Things. Oh God. Yeah. No. His his whole his whole easygoing thing is so good. Yeah. Oz says that just about sums it up. <laughs> Jumping down off the stage, Buffy approaches the others. Giles asks what happened, and Buffy says there were vampires outside. And what's going on? <laughs> they tell her it is or was a surprise party for her. Really. They did all that for her? She smiles and looks at Angel, who asks if she's all right. She's fine. Are they okay? <laughs> Oz nods and says, yeah, but everyone else saw that guy turn to <laughs> dust too, right? <laughs> ah, yes. Xander tells Oz that vampires are real and a lot of them live in Sunnydale. Willow will fill him in. Willow begins to do just that, telling him she knows it must be shocking. Actually, no, it explains <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. He just... Uh, and this is mirrored in the prom too where the students are just like you helped us out you know where Buffy yeah. thinks that that all her work is going unnoticed yeah yeah and they and and the thing that I really love about that too is they're like we don't really know what's going on but we know that once you showed up you helped us out and you saved so many of our lives yeah like that's I, I like that acknowledgement of it Yes. That's when Jenny comes in, carrying the box the vampires were trying to steal. She asks for help, and Giles and Angel help her steer it onto the table. She tells them the vampires left it, and Giles asks if it can be opened. Yeah, it looks like there's a release right there. Buffy pops the release, and the box opens, revealing an arm. An arm that immediately leaps from the box and begins trying to choke Buffy. (laughs) Angel works to pry it off as Cordelia reaches for Xander, and Oz moves in front of Willow as if to protect her. Hmm. They manage to get it back in the box, and Giles and Jenny slam it shut, locking it. Xander says it must be the Hellmouth's version of for what do you get the Slayer who has everything? While Giles asks if Buffy's okay. Yeah, that thing just has a majorly strong grip. Willow asks what it was, and Oz, being Oz, says <laughs> it looked like a hand. <laughs> Angel, however, has an idea, but says no. Not even Drew is crazy enough to do that. What? Xander looks at him. Is this the vampire version of snakes in a can? (laughs) He needs to share. He says it's a legend from before his time of a demon come to rid the world of the plague of humanity, separate the righteous from the wicked and burn the righteous down. They call him the judge. The judge. Giles looks from Angel to the box. This is he? Not all of them. (laughs) Buffy says she still needs a bit more backstory. Giles explains that he couldn't be killed, that armies were sent, and eventually they were able to dismember him. The pieces spread to every corner of the earth. Angel continues, and now all these pieces are being brought to Sunnydale by Drusilla? 
Buffy recognized the vampires outside as Spike's men. It seems Drusilla wants to not only reassemble the judge, but bring forth Armageddon. In the original script, when they're talking about the pieces being scattered, Xander asks if they left his heart in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) It leads to a bunch of people glaring at him, except for Oz, who leans over and says that he also had that thought. See, that that sounds like that's one of those moments where I say one of my puns. Yes. And everybody glares at me. And Mary tells me to go to my corner. I, yes, because you need to go to your corner when you say bad puns. I know. The pun corner. Yes, I'm very familiar with the pun corner. I have a nice little setup there. Cordelia asks if anyone else is going to have cake. <laughs> going off to cut it as Giles says they need to get this piece of the judge out of town. Angel. Jenny says Angel needs to be the one to take it. That he's the only one who can protect it. Buffy says, what about her? What? She's just going to disappear from town for a few months? Months? Who said anything about months? Angel says Jenny's right. He can catch a cargo ship to Asia and from port trek up to Nepal. Buffy reminds him of those newfangled flying machines, (laughs) how they make travel a whole lot faster. Angel says he can't fly. There's no guarantee against the sunlight. So when? When does he have to go? Tonight, as soon as possible. But it's her birthday. Aww. He really wishes there was another way, but there's not. I love Jenny just like slow creepering into yeah. her goodbye. Yeah. Just like, mm, I'll drive <laughs> you. Oh, yes, yes, let's go. <laughs> like, look, her plan wasn't a bad one. No. Because someone did need to take the arm and Angel was the only one who could go and not be suspicious. Yes. Plus, it would get her family off her back. Like, I yeah. am all here for Jenny's plan. Oh, yeah. No, Jenny had a great plan. She she knew what she was doing there. Yep. We then switch to Drusilla, who is scolding Dalton for losing one of her presents. He's extremely apologetic, but Drew isn't receptive to it. She breaks his glasses, stomping on them before Aww. telling him to make a wish. Drew. That she's going to blow out the candles. And by that, she means she's going to poke his eyes out. Aww. Stopping her, Spike says they should at least let him try and recover her lost treasure. <laughs> and Dalton promises he'll get it back. He will. Drew considers this, still taunting him with her nails before stopping and picking up his broken glasses, putting them back on his face and patting his head. Love okay. it. I love it. Hurry back then. Now, this is one of my absolute favorite moments. Yeah. I just, I love her. Hurry back then. Hurry back now. I'd love, and, and I mean, we talked about it on the last episode with him, but I love Dalton. Dalton is the best. He's he's one of those he's one of those side characters that I would love to know more about. She then saunters over to Spike and drops down in his lap as Dalton turns to leave. At the docks, Buffy and Angel walk together towards a ship. Angel carrying the box in one hand and holding Buffy's hand with the other. Every so often, she'll lean against him and he'll kiss her head. As they near the gang plank, Angel sets the box down and they step off to the side. He tells Buffy that he should go the rest of the way alone. She doesn't like it, but he promises he'll return to her. When? Six months? A year? What if... What if what? Well, if he hasn't noticed, there's always someone looking to kill them. (laughs) Angel again promises he'll come back. He then reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small velvet bag. Says he got something for Buffy. A present. That he meant to give it to her earlier. It's a clotter ring. Okay, Jackie, do you remember how much we all had to have clotter rings after this scene? I did too. I did too. Apparently we weren't the only one. This scene boosted the sale of clotter rings. Yep. Big time. I found one in a little Irish shop. You know, because we all had to have one. Oh, we all had to have one. (sighs) But you know what this comes from is that um, David Boreanaz is... So David Boreanaz actually had a clotter ring because he was married at the time to a woman who was like of Irish ancestry. Mm. So he had that ring and... 
you know, apparently somebody like the it, it get it got built into the episode because somebody liked the history of it. Yeah, know? yeah. So, um, well, and then he like later cheated on this woman and got divorced and married. Well, a, yes, know, he has a very messy personal life. Yes, um, yes. So, uh, yeah, the clotter ring is it, it's a it's an Irish wedding ring that mm-hmm. comes from Galway. Um, I've actually been to, you know, shops in, we have a friend, Mary and I have a mutual friend who, um, her husband and her met at school in Galway. So I went out to visit them and I've been to the stores there where they sell the clotter rings. And I have one from, from that store and, um, from one of the stores in Galway. Um, yeah. Do you remember so, what everything represents? Yeah. The <laughs> crown is yeah. loyalty, the heart is love and the hands are friendship. Yep. And wearing it a certain way. So it, the interesting thing here is they would not have been called clotto rings during Angel's time. Yeah. Though Galway has produced the rings continuously since the 1700s, the term clotta was not used until 1830. Before then, the rings were most likely just known as fede rings, as in mane and fede, hands joined in faith or hands joined in loyalty. Rings like this were used as engagement wedding rings since the time of the Romans. And going with the different hands and different things, Angel technically puts it on the wrong hand. Mm-hmm. Because the way Buffy's facing him, he puts it on her left hand. And if the heart is facing inward and it's on your left hand, you're married. Mm-hmm. So it should have gone on her right hand, but Buffy wears it on her left. I think because Sarah already had rings on her right hand. Yeah. yeah. But yes. So yes, it's if it's on your right hand and it's outward, it means you're single and you're looking. If it's on your right hand and it's inward, it means your heart is taken. If it's on your left hand and it's outward, it means you're engaged. And if it's on your left hand and it's inward, it means you're married. Yep. But this whole moment gets ruined by vampires. Of course. You can't have nice things. Dropping down, two of them distracting Buffy and Angel while Dalton goes for the box. When Angel switches it up, trying to go for Dalton, tackling him so that he releases the box, another vampire scoops it up, making off with it. The vampire Buffy's fighting tosses Buffy in the water and Angel abandons the vampire he's been fighting to dive in after her. This kind of goes along with what we said uh, last week during our bad eggs, Mm -hmm. where Angel makes Buffy really bad at her job. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because in... Jackie hasn't heard this episode yet, obviously, but um, and I don't even think we've released bad eggs yet. No, but no, no. they're making out in the cemetery, and they're like, "Oh, we don't see anything." The gorges are literally sitting on a wall twenty feet from them. <laughs> yes, and now if they had just kissed like two minutes less, and Angel had gotten on that boat, we could prevent everything Every that's about to happen. Thing. Yep, yep. So Angel makes her a little bad at her job, but that happens in a lot of things. It does, and that's a whole like. Like part of part of like when you when you're in the beginning of the series, like Giles is trying to get her to not be friends with people because he's afraid it's going to make her sloppy, which unfortunately, a lot of times it makes her bad at her job. This is true. Also, the doc sequence was filmed in San Pedro. And because of an El Nino wedding was. (laughs) <laughs> and yes, it was filmed, it was probably filmed right near where you got married. <laughs> um, and because El Nino was happening at the time, there was an El Nino current. And so the water was, fortunately for them, not freezing. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Although they probably throw the stunt doubles in the water anyway. Yeah. Not, I mean, not to say that a stunt double should be thrown in freezing water either, but. But yes, whoever got thrown in the water, it was not as horribly cold as it could have been. Yes. Back in the library, Giles looks at the clock, worried. She should have been back by now. <clears throat> Though Giles says they, which is weird because they, 
Angel wasn't supposed to come back. No, what it, oh no, but Jenny, Jenny was Jenny, driving. Jenny, yeah, was, Jenny driving. was driving Buffy yes, back. That's yes. right. Okay, so it would be not it as would weird. Be, yes, it would be Buffy and Jenny. Willow suggests that maybe she needed a few minutes to pull herself together. Yeah, it's sad. Xander <laughs> agrees, but they should look at the upside. What sort of life would the two of them have together anyway? Buffy's working two jobs, right? Denny's waitress by day, slayer by night. <laughs> Angel's always home in front of the TV with a big old blood belly thinking about the glory days when Buffy still <laughs> thought this whole creature of the night routine was attractive. Willow tells him he's thought way too much about this. <laughs> and he says he's just getting started. Wait until they get to the part where he flies in on his private jet and takes Buffy out for prime rib. Buffy enters then and Willow tells Xander to cut it out. It's interesting how Xander's vision of Buffy's miserable future is a lot like what the demon will show him in season six yeah 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 so we will we will have to revisit this moment when we get there we still have a long way to go oh Mm. so long buffy joins the group telling them they were ambushed that drew's men got the box giles asks where jenny is and buffy says she took angel to get some clothes that she already had some at school (laughs) and they needed clothes why they got wet so what do they know the more giles reads up on the judge the less he likes him Seems he can burn the humanity out of a person with a single touch. A true person of evil can survive the touch, but no human ever has. Great. Xander says they can just send Cordy to find him and the rest of them can order pizza. Buffy wants to know if he can be stopped. Without an army, Giles says that no weapon forged can defeat him. Huh. This sounds a little bit like no living man can hinder me. (laughs) I'm sensing a loophole coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, because, you know, in the in the time, they were forging weapons, but that means that a weapon that was not done in a forgery, or I don't know, I don't know old weaponsy terms. You know, <laughs> no, but yeah, it was like forged. heat and the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah forged in fire. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy says they need to find out his weak spots and where they might be keeping him, which means it's time for a round robin. Giles asks what they mean, and Willow mistakenly says it's when everyone calls everyone else's parents and tells them they're staying at someone else's house. What she should have said it's when is that it's when everyone calls their parents, their parents. yeah, and tells right. them they're spending the night elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. Buffy explains this frees them up for world savage. And all night keggers. Buffy looks at Willow and she says, what? Xander's the only one allowed to make a stupid joke? (laughs) Xander calls his mom as they hunker down for a long night of research. We check in on everyone somewhere around 2 a.m. Xander, Willow, Jenny, and Giles are all behind the counter while Angel's in the stack and Buffy is in Giles' office. Xander's pretty sure he's already read the book in his hand, while Willow on the computer is still in awe of how cool Oz was about everything. (laughs) Xander doesn't really care. And Willow says he's just jealous because he didn't have a date for the party. No. No, he didn't. Calling for Angel, Giles heads towards the stacks to see if he found anything. That's when they spy Buffy asleep in the office. Motioning for Angel to be quiet, Giles heads back towards the desk. Seems she needed a bit of rest. Yeah, Angel says she hasn't been sleeping that well, tossing and turning. Everyone looks at him and he says she told him because of the dreams. One of which Buffy is having right now. This time she's in the factory, set for Drusilla's party, but empty. She wanders about, not in the same dress she defeated the master in, but a similar one. One of virginal white. Of course. She sees Jenny walk past the table and goes to follow her, only to have her disappear. Buffy stops, nearing the boxes now on the floor. She goes to open one, but Drusilla, in an identical dress and standing up on the catwalk with Angel in front of her, stops her. She tells her hands off her presence before moving as if to slit Angel's throat. Buffy awakes with a start, calling for him, hugging Angel tightly. She can't help but look worried. You know who's not worried? 
Drew. No. And she calls for more music. Her party now in full spring. Drew is never worried. She descends the Drew. steps as one of the best songs ever played. Oh, yes. yes. Transylvania Concubine. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. Transylvania Concubine by Rasputina. We'll make sure to pop it up on the social media oh, channels absolutely. this week. For anyone who hasn't heard the full song, it's delightful. I was very surprised when Dylan said that they never listened to that song before. Right? Like, how have you not heard it this was song? On the, I, I, I think it was on the album. Yes. Wasn't it? Yes. yes. It was on the album. It's on the album. But Dylan is a small baby child. <sighs> so small. So baby. Yes. As they like to remind us. Dylan, why do you not have the album? We I don't asked, know. I don't know. We should give Dylan the album. That, we should. We should. Yes. We're gonna all, no, all of us. All of us. He's going to get three copies of it. That's right. <laughs> so he has no excuse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she wanders about the party, drawing the attention of more than one male vampire before Spike rolls in with the last box on his lap. Drew's present is now complete. In the script, it says Drew is supposed to be wearing the same dress from the dream. So I don't know why they changed it. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, though, because like the plate thing lined up. So having mm-hmm. Drew be in the same dress that Buffy saw her in would have made a right, lot of sense. Right, yes. But I don't know. Maybe the dress got dirty and they didn't have a second. I don't know. I don't know why they would have changed that. I mean, she looks fantastic in this red dress. So, yes. Or maybe they just wanted another opportunity for her to look fantastic I know, yeah, yeah. Dress. I mean, that is possible, too. They were like, yeah. she needs to look fantastic in more dresses. Yes. Right. And that dress is fantastic. Yes. Two minions take it over to the other assembled boxes, placing it on top as they begin to glow, forming together. They pop open and the judge steps out, played, of course, by our friend Brian Thompson. Oh, love him. Back again from season one. Speaking of great character actors, he does so many, like all all of like supernatural creatures because he's in Kindred and... Yes. Oh, Kindred. I know. <sighs> Can we do a special Kindred episode? <laughs> uh, yes. G has pretty much demanded we do a special Kindred episode because Yay. she could talk about Frank's hair for like 36 oh, God. hours. Yes. Okay. So we'll have to, we'll have to put that in somewhere. We'll do a special, a yes. special Kindred episode. Yes. We'll all watch Kindred. Yes. Yes. Uh, as he gets a good look at him, Spike definitely has an oh shit kind of look on his face. <laughs> While Drew says he's perfect, everything she wanted. A little stiff from, you know, being in pieces. <laughs> the judge stumbles towards Spike and Drew, a finger pointed accusingly at them. Spike is immediately besides Drew saying, hey, what's all this about? They reek of humanity. They share affection and jealousy. Yeah. what of it (laughs) poking the judge in the middle of his armor spike says does he have to remind him that they're the ones who brought him back drew then offers the judge a party favor motioning to the rest of the guests he chooses dalton says he has feelings he reads wow just (laughs) way to be wow judgy wow (laughs) well i mean that's that's what his name implies He judges. He tells the others to bring Dalton to him, and Spike wants to know what's with that, the bringing and the fetching. Can't he just, like, zap people? (laughs) In time, his strength needs to return. For the moment, he requires contact. Poor, Poor Dalton. I know. I'm so mad. The judge touches him, and he slowly burns from the inside out. Drew practically giddy. As his ashes fall to the floor, Drusilla demands that the judge do it again! (laughs) Do it again! (laughs) Back in the library, Buffy and Angel start to head out. Giles asks what's going on, and Angel says that Buffy had another dream. She says she knows where they might be keeping the judge. Good. 
good. That's a good start. But she can't just run off. They need a plan. She has a plan. She and Angel will go to the factory and do retcon slash see how far they've gotten while the rest of them check for places where the boxes could be coming into town. They need to do whatever they can to keep the judge from being fully assembled. They can't just wait for him to come to them. Giles admits that's a pretty good plan. And Buffy and Angel leave. Uh-oh. Uh, yes, uh-oh is right! Uh-oh. <laughs> At the factory, Buffy and Angel slink along the catwalk, observing the party below. I love her pants. I love her, like, uh, what are what is it? It's giraffe? Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah the giraffe yeah. pants. I yes. love those. Again, really this, is, this look that she has in this scene is another very, very 90s look. Oh, so 90s. Yeah. I love the costumes I know. on this, on this Oh, show. they're so good. Buffy tells Angel she saw this, the party, right before the judge wanders by along with Spike and Drew. The judge stops and Spike asks, what is it? Right before he zeroes in on Buffy and Angel with a growl. Angel says they need to go. (laughs) And the two start to run only to be stopped by minions who drag them to the floor below. Spike remarks on them being crashers and Buffy says she's sure their invites just got lost in the mail. (laughs) Eyes fixed on Angel, Drew says it's delicious that she'd only dreamed he'd come. But Angel is only concerned with Buffy and tells them not to touch her. Yeah, Spike says, that'll work. (laughs) Now say pretty please. The judge turns his attention to Buffy and Drew remarks how she's just full of good intentions. Ew. Angel says for the judge to take him. Take him instead. Which is when Spike points out that he's not getting it. (laughs) There is no instead of. There's only first and second. And Drew says if he goes first, he doesn't get to watch the Slayer die. (laughs) The judge begins to approach Buffy as Angel looks around for... Something, anything that will help get them out of this. Yelling for Buffy not to touch him, she kicks his breastplate. Angel yanks on a chain that brings a bunch of stuff tumbling down, including several TVs. <laughs> also, why is there just an inexplicable stack of chain of TVs? It's art. It's modern art. One of the hedge vampires likes to make weird sculptures <laughs> in trash. I don't know. I I was like, people are going to think in the 90s that they're looking back and watching the show, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, people just put, you know, television <laughs> sets on chains and warehouses. Well, like, they don't, that was not a they thing. don't know that we didn't. Good point. You look, these small children, we could probably convince them of anything. This is true. True. Be like, only the finest factories had TVs on chains. The thing is, like, in so many ways, the 90s was so bizarre. And because we didn't, because we didn't have, like, these days we're able to document everything. Back in the 90s, we just, we're going on our memories. Like, we, we didn't really have access to as many pictures as we have. Like, if you see something weird now, you whip out your phone and you take a picture of it. But when we were younger... You saw something weird and all you could do is just tell your friends about it. Right, exactly. There was no pics or it didn't happen in the 90s. No, 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 no. There was none of that. No filming everything. Yep. So we could we could make up so many stories about things that happened in the 90s and nobody would be able to question it. The TVs land atop the judge and something in that pile breaks the floor, creating a hole. Buffy and Angel jump through it as Drusilla orders the minions to follow. Only they miss Buffy and Angel ducking into another doorway. Once they're sure they've passed by, they escape said doorway and take a ladder to the surface, coming out in the park where it's pouring. Angel tells her they need to get inside and grabbing one another's hand, they head for his apartment. So in between this scene and the sequence at Angel's apartment, there was supposed to be a Giles and Jenny scene where the two of them were checking out a shipping office 
as Jenny's guilt over her secret continues to eat away at her. Oh, Jenny. Stepping inside, Angel takes off his coat before going to find some dry clothes for Buffy. He tells her to put them on and get under the covers to warm up. <laughs> of course, before doing so, Buffy sits on his bed in her soaking wet clothes. <laughs> I got very angry about this. And even more angry when Angel does it also a few minutes later. And like, you're just getting the bed wet. <laughs> it's because they didn't want to actually show the actors nude. So they're like, well, we can't show them changing or naked. So sit on the bed wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that people like Mary can get mad. Mm-hmm. And you have to admit that there's another whole layer of it. It's just sexy. Yeah. I mean, they're like, oh, they're and the wet, way that the, oh, yeah. Know. The way that this whole scene is composed with the light coming in and the bed and the darkness. Mm-hmm. It's just. People did point out why it does Angel have a like window that reflects directly onto his bed. Well, he probably he probably closes the the curtains in the morning. Like, what if he forgets to? Or it's, or it's artificial light. It could be just like he's you know because he's kind of in a like a sort of like subterranean. Yeah, he's in like a basement. Area. He has a yeah. basement apartment. Yeah, it could just be like a street light from the underground basement area. True. Or it's just a continuity error. Had to. They yeah. just wanted the scene to look more sexy. Yeah, this is this is true. They just needed they needed to up that's, the sexy that's factor. That's what the whole that's what this whole scene is about. Well, no, cuz when when I'm thinking about it cuz in a in a minute like cuz there's rain and there's you see the lightning and stuff when he's reacting. Yeah, so it's an it's actual definitely, it's definitely uh I think the window's there in like the episode with Darla too. Like yeah. there is like like with a lot of basements, there's like a window at the very yeah. top or whatever. Right. Angel turns around and she begins to change, wincing as she takes off her sweater. He asks what's wrong and she says she must have a cut or something. He asks her to let him see. Sitting behind her on the bed, also in soaking wet clothes. <laughs> He moves one of the strengths of her tank top to get a better look at the teeny tiny cut that was in the middle of her back. This this scene really is sexy as fuck when you like for a nineties for a nineteen nineties teen teen drama. This whole this whole scene is sexy. He tells her that it's already closed and she's fine. She slowly begins to turn towards him. They kind of nuzzle a bit, Angel holding her. And she says he almost went away today. He responds, they both did, which gets Buffy Buffy upset again. She begins to say something about how if she were ever to lose him, but he stops her. He then begins telling her that he, he what? Buffy turns to face him fully. He loves her. He tries not to, but he can't stop himself. Buffy says her too. She can't stop herself either. Which begins the kissing. Kissing that leads to, well, we all know where that kissing leads. We all leads. know where it goes. Angel does try to stop it, though. Saying maybe they should, but Buffy... He kind of half-heartedly tries to stop it. But he tried. Also, I like, he... I think it was less trying to stop it and more, like, trying to make sure this is something Buffy wanted. Yeah, it like, it, right, again, right. this is... It's such a great moment of making sure that this is going where all parties want it to go. Yes, because Buffy, she's like, no, just kiss me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, do not stop. Yeah, he he really, he really does give her the opportunity to change her mind. Right. Which I know, Mary, you're not a fan of Angel, but... I'm not a fan of Angel. I can appreciate his better moments. Yes. And I'm getting very excited for who we get next week. Well, yes, you like Angelus. (laughs) I love Angelus. Even more version of Angel. (laughs) I love Angelus, but... (laughs) 
And so we get Buffy and Angel in bed, tangled up in Angel sheets and sleeping. Wah, 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 wah. That is until lightning <laughs> crashes and Angel awakes with a start. He darts out of bed and dashes outside, but not before stopping to get dressed, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they missed out on a shirtless in the rain David I moment. Know, yeah, I know, I yeah. know, I know. In the alley, he falls to his knees, screaming out Buffy's name, clearly in pain. But she sleeps on, hearing nothing. To be continued. Oh, I know, I know you said when you watched this with Mr. Frog, he was very confused. He was, About yes. what was happening to Angel. Yes, yes, he was. He, he cause, again, because he's going on this journey for the first time. So we, this was one of those moments where he's like, okay, we have to watch the next episode. We have to watch mm-hmm. the next episode where, what is happening. And it's also like, cause he's, he's seen like bits and pieces of it here and there. So when Jenny first showed up, he was like, oh, what happens to her? Cause I don't remember her from later on. I'm like, oh, so we don't talk about that. We don't, we don't. And, and then and, for a few more episodes. And then when that happened, he was like, oh, that's why I've never seen her. Like, yes. Yes, that's why. There was so much, like, wasted potential with Jenny. Yeah, there really was. We should have Mm. seen her more in the time we had her and, like, the mixing of technology and magic. But there also should have been, like, such a better buildup to her being part of the people who cursed Angel. Yes, yes, because that just came out of nowhere. Like you yeah. knew, like you knew that yeah, really you did. knew that she had some connection to the you know the mystic- magical world, magical world, <laughs> mm-hmm. because she like because when she comes in, she's like, oh well, the, the signs and the portents were all there, and I just didn't know what it was leading to. So she knows, but then they explain that away by her being a techno pagan. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I feel like we should have had a, a much bigger build up, and it would have been yeah. nice. It would have been nice to have more with her culture. Yes, I mean in the nineties we weren't really super sensitive about that but it no yeah but again also that's a very very tricky road yeah yeah because in horror like in in horror across the board yeah in horror the the romany are very stereotyped yeah yeah right but this show like did a very good job about you know be it did they did do they were careful with a lot of things at least with her and her yeah. being like very into the modern world. But I mean, but again, it's also in the past. I was going to say the caravans and the bonfire when Angel is yeah. getting. But again, also that was that was in the past. So yeah. it, it's hard to judge that one as much. Yeah. But yeah. Or they could have yes. gone a different or they could have gone a different route. You know, we can t- we can talk about what could have happened. Yes. we. <laughs> there are so many things that could have happened. Yes. But yes. That is it for this week. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode 14, Innocence. And Jackie will be back with us to talk Angelus. Yay. Can't wait for that. More Jackie. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.